K-A-L-W. The NBA looks like it'll be a much different landscape next season. And it sure has a California feel to it. The Golden State Warriors should be part of the mix, with three All-Stars holding things down until Klay Thompson, their injured fourth, comes back. But look down south, and things have changed. Superstar center Anthony Davis is joining LeBron James of the L.A. Lakers. And all of a sudden, the team they share the Staples Center with is stacked too, with Paul George joining Finals MVP Kawhi Leonard with the L.A. Clippers. The Dubs' dominance over the league could be over, with dynamic duos forming across the association. This was the craziest free agent period probably ever, and the result should be more drama for more teams next season. We'll see. For now, it's time to wrap this one up. This is Bounce, the Warriors' last season in Oakland. I'm Ben Trefney. There's plenty of sports talk out there. You know where to find it if you want it. And there is some stuff still to talk about. The team's young players are playing summer ball. Now Evans, push off. Foul line jumper from the elbow is good. He gets the bounce. Free agency and trades are still happening. Stephen Curry's selling golf outfits. Well played, Stephen. And while all of that was happening, the sun has been rising in Oakland. Kids are on summer break. Farmer's markets are hopping. Folks are barbecuing around Lake Merritt, where designated. These are things that still define the town now that the team's gone. Like burrito trucks and sideshows, right, and the Raiders. That's Marcus Thompson. He writes about basketball for the national outlet, The Athletic. Wrote a biography of Stephen Curry and another one about Kevin Durant. But before all that, Marcus grew up a Warriors fan in Oakland's Sobranti Park. It was just always a part of our culture and life growing up. You don't really start thinking about that stuff until it's like about to leave or leaving, right? Until it's ready to depart. I sat down with Marcus at Studio to Be in Old Oakland, just a block from the Dubs' former practice facility, to talk about basketball, his writing, and the town. I knew early I wasn't good at basketball. How early did you know that you wanted to write about it? Oh, I didn't know that until I was a grown man. I mean, it's, it was a lot of it was just part of the process of becoming a writer. Uh, you don't always get to dictate what you write about, at least especially when I was coming up. I mean, maybe now you can start a blog and kind of build your thing, but when I was coming up, that's not how it was. So, you know, I went to college, majored in journalism, went to uh, did a couple of internships, came back to the Bay and got a job covering high school sports. So high school soccer, high school water polo, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't, you know, you just grinding, you're just doing your job. Like it was one of those things where I would have covered whatever professional beat opened, you know, football, basketball, basically didn't matter. Who knows if, if the NFL beat open, I'd probably be, you know, once you get on that NFL track, you kind of just, you're on the track you're on in many ways. So the NBA was the first one that opened up to me. Probably because I was black. <laughs> That's how it goes, but... Well, except for there aren't a lot of black writers about the NBA in the But Bay they're area. all in the NBA, though. Well, there was a lot of black... Like, first off, there's just not a black a lot of black writers in sports journalism. Mm-hmm. But if you were just to compare, based on the pro leagues, the, the largest concentration of black writers are in the NBA. Hmm. All right, uh... I mean, it is a it is the sport that is kind of much more conducive to 
Like it makes editors feel much more better about saying, man, we need to put a black person in that locker room, <laughs> right? Like that's the sport where you just feel like you kind of need to be represented in there mm-hmm. like that, you know, in the same way, many, many newspaper editors or sports editors of any ilk would want a Spanish-speaking reporter in a baseball locker room. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just, there's a culture in there. I hate it. I hate to say it because, you know, then it becomes a, oh, you speak a certain language, like, you know, like we in there talking jive or something. But it's just, you, in, in order to be able to relate to who you're covering, it's just better sometimes to have somebody who knows how to relate to them. Yeah. So... Do you think that's real? Does it make a difference? It's very real. Yeah, it was very real. It it just, I think it's more real than other sports make it out to be. Like, there should be more, you know, NFL, black NFL writers. Yeah, because it's like 70% black or something like that. But the glory position is the quarterback, right? And that's that's not where you need to have a black dude to relate to, (laughs) usually. So, but yeah, the NBA, it's such an intimate sport. There's so few guys. It's, uh, so much more about the culture and the people and like it's not strictly about the games in a way the NFL can largely be about the games and what happens so basketball becomes this like cultural coverage thing mm-hmm. where you're trying to make sense of all this stuff and how it all matters and player movement in many ways is dictated upon it. like the Warriors just lost Kevin Durant and just from a sheer basketball perspective, it doesn't make sense, <laughs> right? Like, he just went to a team that won 42 games and has never even been close to a championship, and he took $50 million, $57 million less to do it. It's like, yo, why would he do that? But if he, that's where it's like, okay, it's not just basketball. Like, there's some other elements here that need to be understood and explained. So basketball is much more conducive to that stuff and it's much more obvious and prevalent than it is in other sports i think that it's visibly that way at this point you know with uh, people were talking this year and i'm wondering you know in the course of your coverage of basketball over you know this time because you've been a basketball writer for it's over a decade oh four since oh four um it seems like in the last couple of years, and especially this year, maybe like what was going on off the court was more important almost in the news cycle than what was going on on the court, especially with the regular season and especially in the Bay Area. Yeah, you can blame the Warriors really for matter. that. You can blame the Warriors for that. Yeah. So like then it's like what's going on in social media and what's going on behind the scenes and where's Kevin Durant going to go and why and whatever. And I could see other sports trending towards that, actually. Yeah. They would like to because really what it is is player empowerment. Like, that's what it is. In the NBA, the players run the show more than any other sport, which means what they care about, what matters to them, becomes germane, right? It becomes preeminent. And they're the draw. They're why people tune in. That's why people watch is because— And people can see them. They're not yeah, hidden behind They're not helmets. hidden. Yeah, absolutely. There's not so many of them. You don't know who they are. Uh, like— the players are the stars in the NBA, which means all of all of who they are and their culture now is part of part of it. Like that that's that's why we care. That's why Le- LeBron is LeBron, 
right? No matter where he goes, he's just got this pack of millions who just follows him, right? From Cleveland to Miami to L.A. And whatever he does, probably into the theaters for Space Jam too, right? Because I'm sure. they're just enamored with LeBron. It's football. They would love that, right? They would, And they play so many fewer they, games. It would they make would love sense that. in football. They would love that, but... Their system is not set up about that. It's it's about the shield. It's about the team, and it's much more game centered than it is player centered. But plus, there's twenty two guys on the field at a time, right? That's just a little bit different. Yeah. And baseball is clearly different too. So, even though baseball is probably more personal driven, personality driven than football, it's still just not nowhere to the level of the NBA. Those is. guys almost don't even have time though. They could play Absolutely. in every single day. In no time, right? And you know, you follow you follow the laundry in baseball more than you do follow the, the player. In the NBA, you follow the player. So mm-hmm. with that comes the culture of the players, right? And 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 that's what matters. That's why everybody cares about sneakers now. I remember trying to write sneaker stories at the Contra Costa Times, and nobody cared. Mm. As a matter of fact, Slam Magazine came to me about writing a cover story on Steph changing shoes. And this is where he switched from Nike to Under Armour. And it was a big deal. And I pitched it to us, and we did not want it. I was like, they was like, why, why do we care about what shoes he wears? And I'm like, man, I'm telling y'all, this is a big story. So this is like, what, like 2013, 14, 13? 2013, yeah. Uh-huh. It was September 2013 when I wrote it, because they had just come off the playoff run, and he switched to Under Armour. You know, Under Armour wasn't really, it was like a football undergarment thing right, or like a sneaker right. thing. Yeah, I mean, the name just says football. Yeah, right. So I just remember they, they had no interest in it. So I was like, well, cool. I tried to give it to you, so then I wrote it for Slam and made a little side money. I don't even think they ever knew. No, They ever. They never even know. Nobody ever said, how could you write this story? Like, they never even paid attention. <laughs> so, but it was just a trip that they didn't care about that. Now, if, if I write a sneaker story, they're like, absolutely, like, all, we want all that stuff. And that just goes to show what matters to players ends up mattering in, in the coverage. So that that means you, you can't you can't be oblivious to it anymore. Right. You can't be a reporter in there just not at all aware of who these people are and what matters to them. Like you need to know, you know, you need to know what this song means at practice that they're playing. You know what I'm saying? Like cause all that stuff has little it has meaning it has value and it. it's part of a, a story and if you are just clueless to it and you just out there to talk about like assists and effective field goal percentage then you just won't have that great of a coverage yeah i remember uh when nipsey hustle got shot during this year and he knew so many players i didn't even know how many players he knew like i was like I mean, I knew Nipsey, but I didn't know Nipsey, right? Like, I listened to his music. He He's a great feature artist, right? But I wasn't like, Nipsey, I'm riding with. And he was like, yo, all y'all really knew Nipsey it was crazy. I had no idea he was that ingrained into NBA culture. Players were dedicating games to him. Draymond and Kevin were dancing. There was such a, that was such a moment yeah. that if you didn't understand the culture, you would have missed it. But before the game, they start playing Nipsey last time that I checked. And then there was a moment that was caught where KD tells Steph, the moment he dies, KD tells Steph, 
And you could see Steph, like, pregame warm-ups. He's, like, putting his arm on his head. He's in shock. And then they play Nipsey Hustle, and then everybody's dancing to it. Like, if you're just there to watch basketball, you have no idea what's happening, and you can't tell that story. Yeah. Like, that's a story that's completely lost to you. Uh, so the funny part is, like, this value that I that I always felt like I had is it's, it's not – it wasn't always valuable to – you know, to people who were paying me, basically, to my editors. Like, you, it had to become apparent for a while. And it's crazy now because it's almost like a requirement, right? But before well, or it should be. I think there's a lot of people who just report on the sports yeah, for the yeah. most part still. But as a, like, if you're a publication, especially of, of any weight, you might have a reporter who just focuses on basketball, but you also have a reporter who's tapped into some other stuff. Mm-hmm. If you just got one reporter and they're on basketball, then you just become irrelevant. Like, I see it happen. I, I'm watching public, like, credible, like, publications I grew up idolizing that just are completely irrelevant on the Warriors because they just don't. They don't have the right people covering it, right? They just I won't. Don't. I won't make your name names. No. <laughs> <laughs> it's just. It's just. Why we we marvel at it. You know, like, really? For real? All right. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, like, you know, from a journalistic perspective, it's just like everything is evolving and changing so, so fast. You know, the kind of mediums that you're going on with the athletic, which is pretty heavyweight at this point. Like, it didn't even exist, what, five years ago or something like that? Three years ago. Yeah. I remember having the first meeting. It was 2016. Uh Might have been August. Because I remember I was was talking with Bleach Report at the same time. And I was totally like, all in on Bleacher Report, and I meet with these the athletic guys, and I'm like, yeah, I don't even know who y'all are, but I took the meeting because somebody told me to take the meeting, and I respected them. Mm-hmm. I had no idea who they were, right? <laughs> and they had just started in, like, January 2016 in Chicago. So it, I felt like it was a risk. Like, I'm leaving, as, you know, say what you want about newspapers. They weren't dead yet. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, man, do you that I felt like that was a risk. I'm sitting there like, do I'm really about to go to a website? Like what is happening? And fast forward two years, it was like, duh. <laughs> right. <laughs> but it wasn't like this two years ago. And that's how fast it's happened. Yeah. When you're growing up in Oakland and you're a Warriors fan, and then you get into writing and when your progression is happening like that, you're not really thinking that much about it. But reflecting back upon it, I mean, it must be kind of an interesting journey for you, huh? Uh, I mean, here's where it became interesting. Um, when the Warriors got really good and they were on the cusp of a champion, I'll give you, I'll give you two moments that where it felt like something unique. In 27, 20, 2007, uh, when the Warriors played Dallas, uh, and I remember they went to, it was the first time they made the playoffs since 94. Dallas is the one seed and Warriors is yeah. So we're in Dallas covering the Warriors win the first game, lose the second one. And I remember talking to Jason Richardson about what did he expect. And he was one of those star players. Yeah. He was like a shooting guard. Yeah, he was like, and he had, you know, he'd been there for six or seven years and endured all his losing. Because Dallas was loud. Like, that was at the, I guess the height was 2011 of Dallas. But, man, they Dallas was a premier franchise, and they were selling out every game. And I remember that place being loud. And it was obviously my first 
playoff experience, right? It's the first time I ever covered a playoff game. But I, I remember being there like, yo, this is nuts, right? Like, this is crazy. Uh, and I remember asking Jason Richardson, like, what do you think it's going to be like in Oakland? He was like, oh, it's about to – he was – he and he's from Saginaw, Michigan. He was like, it's about to be insane. He was like, if you thought this was loud, you watch Oracle. And I'm thinking – yeah, good luck topping what we just experienced in Dallas. So the moment where it really hit me that, like, I was a local kid covering, like, a local phenomenon was when you went when I went to that arena and for game three in 07 and just walking onto the court, like, hours before the game, and it was as loud as Dallas. <laughs> like, it was, like, hours before. They're not even on the court. Mm-hmm. And that's where you walk out, like, and you kind of get chills like, yo, you know what I'm saying? Like, this is something I would normally watch on TV, and I'm and I'm here. And the other time was, like, when they were actually winning a championship in Cleveland, and it was, like, apparent. The Warriors had this thing that year. 2015? Where, yeah, 2015, where if they went up by 15, they were undefeated. It was, like, we were chronicled. We were watching all years, like, 57-0 and 0 when they went up by 15. At any point in the game, if they ever had a 15-point lead, they never lost. And I remember the moment – in game six when they went up by 15, and we were like, all right, they're going to win a championship. And in that moment, like, it was crazy. Like, that's when you're like, yo, I grew up a Warriors fan. I know exactly the history that led to this moment and how insane it is right now that the Warriors are about to be champions. Like, that is literally nuts, right? Like, that's what I remember. I remember going to college Put in Atlanta, putting up a Latrell Sprewell poster on my wall, and every one of my friends who came in, none of them from Oakland, was like, "Who is that?" And aren't the, they either didn't know where the Warriors played or thought they played in L.A. Every one of them, all of New York and Atlanta dudes, they was like, "Who is that?" I'm like, "What you mean? That's Latrell Sprewell. Like, what are you talking about? Oh, he played for the Warriors. Aren't they in L.A. or where the Warriors play? That's a California. Yeah, team. they just like they just thought it was California. And California, especially outside of the California, L.A. is the first thing you think of. So everybody, and I couldn't believe that people did not know the Warriors played in Oakland. Like it was nuts to me. And we were from that. To then win a championship, so I immediately I wanted to call my dad because that's that's my Warriors, right? That's what we watched it. That's who put me on. He hated Joe Barry Carroll, right? Like <laughs> all that. Like that's what that's got. He was what got me into the Warriors. But my father like died in two thousand one, so I remember sitting there like, man, I want to call my dad. I'm literally up there crying because I can't call my dad during this great moment. Like so, those two moments where it was like I was a I was a kid from Oakland. And a Warriors fan who understood like the magnitude of what was happening, but the rest of it, it the rest of it, you just doing a job, right? And and they spend so much time hating on you that like you don't get that feeling, <laughs> right? You know, you're a reporter and they're a team, mm-hmm. and there's this proverbial and perennial clash. Yeah. So I mean, Kevin Durant even spoke it during yeah, the season, just, right? He's like, I don't trust y'all. That's how it is. Like they they don't trust us. Many of them don't like us. Our job is to find out information that they don't want us to have. So it becomes like, you know, cop, criminal like type relationship where, you know, like in a, a heat at the end, they sat down, they shook hands like uh, Pacino and De Niro. Like you have those moments, yeah, but in the end, the game is the game. So even that, you know, that's not, it's still like a, a respect. 
but still adversarial. Yes, yes. That's what that's a great that's the word I was looking for. There is this adversarial relationship. And when you come up in journalism, you kind of know this, right? Like this is the game trying to get information. And the team's only wanting to put out a certain information, but your job as a journalist is to get to the truth. So that's the cat and mouse of it, and that's the job. You get lost in that. People used to ask me all the time, like, or people would think, because I'm from Oakland, I'm a homer, and I can't write anything negative about the Warriors, or people ask me, is it tough because I'm a fan? But I'm like, if anything, the hard part is to not hate the Warriors because all they do is stop me from trying to do my job, right? Like, So I spend most of my time, like, if you, you guys my wife, I mean, especially coming up as a young journalist, like I spent so much time venting to her about like how the whole world was against me because they were hating, right? Or I got some information and I'm trying to like verify it. Like that's the whole game is trying to win this this battle of, you know, give or take. So those moments, like something has to kind of jar you and pull you out of the journalism mode. And those were two moments that I'll never forget where I really felt like a kid who grew up watching the war and like maybe everybody didn't understand what was happening but i really felt like yo this is big i'll give you the, i actually i take that back there's a third one the parade the first the, one the first parade like that was major like i'm walking around the city and i'm like i've been around this city all my life i ain't never seen a city like this i mean it had never been more unified it probably was the perfect day uh, and, you know, Oakland had been, in yeah, 2015, it was definitely gentrified, right? But uh, it, it has increased now, so it wasn't as, like, just crazy as it is right now. But you could see the elements. And I remember walking around the lake and seeing, like, you literally are walking around the lake and you're seeing Rock Ridge and East Oakland. You're seeing West Oakland and Chinatown. You're seeing the hills and the flat, like... And there's there's not that much space, so there's no way to be divisive about it, right? So it's dudes smoking weed, like listening to Mac Dre right next to a family with kids and their dog, right? And everybody was together, and there was no way to not be together. And we're walking around, I'm like, yo, this is crazy. Like, this doesn't happen. Oh, it was, it was insane. It was insane how great of a day. I mean, the, the weather was perfect California weather. Not too hot, but sunny, right? It was it was nuts. By the lake, too, it was just, and, like, that was one of the moments, too, where I was like, oh, yeah, now this is Oakland. Like, this right here is the epitome of Oakland and how, like, everywhere you went, you could not get away from Warriors. Like, the buses had go Warriors on the side. Like, it was, like, everywhere. So I can imagine if you're from, like, I don't know, Cleveland, New York, and you ended up getting a job, in the Bay Area, you cover the seat like this ain't your home, right? So you probably don't get it. But that's another moment where I felt like, okay, this is home, and I get what's happening. So I, you know, I'm kind of able to. That's where I felt like that was my advantage. I could write that. I could literally write that. Uh, it was a little bit more forced, but uh, when you know, just a farewell to Oracle. Like I could write with that being. That was much more like my personal life, but just writing what Oracle meant, like. Those type of things that you can only do if you're from here. So what did that feel like to you? So writing it, this is what I'm saying. It wasn't like a moment because when by, by the time it was time to write it, like I had already kind of processed it and was and moved on. The plan's been going on for years. Yeah, it was just like, you know, I first probably felt it 
when they announced the Pier 30, 32, mm. and that didn't work out when they announced site. it. Yeah, and they, they had this big old display, and we all went over there to look at the Pier. And that's what I was like, man, screw this. <laughs> right? I'm in there mad. Like, they really about to leave Oakland. <laughs> so that's when I felt it. That was what? 2012, 2013, like, you know what I'm saying? So, yeah, pretty soon after they took ownership. Yeah, it wasn't, it was, that was, it was a long time ago. And then, you know, you wrestle with it, you think about it, you process it, hear people talking about it. And the Warriors, they all know I'm from Oakland. So I always hear their lip. You know, if I write anything about Oakland, they're like, oh, you're always killing us. And here's what we're doing for Oakland. And there's always this. They are. They pretty much feel like they know what I'm gonna say. Is that the players or the management? No, management, 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 management. Yeah. Players, yeah. players are kind of with me on this. Yeah, they they know what's up. Especially like like Steph grew up in Oracle. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. So did Clay. So did Draymond. Like all of their memories about growing into basketball, about learning how to become a man, happened in Oracle. So it's special to them. Like you can feel it. You can hear it. Bob. It's special to Bob Myers. He went there as a kid. You know, he's the general manager and you know he's gotta he's gotta say the company line, you know, but that's his arena. You know what I'm saying? We got a guy, Sam Amick, with the athletic. I mean, he grew up in Pleasanton. Like I grew up in Oakland and I have a personal relationship with Oracle, but so does he. Like his family bartered in the games, you know, like so there's a lot of people who are like, yo, this is my spot, and now it's gone. But by the time I got to write it, it it was it was much more cognitive than it was like you know i guess spiritual so to speak it wasn't yeah. like this outflow from within yeah. it was me piecing together what i understand but like i had already like it was already over to me <laughs> you know see it was already like a done deal yeah, and you kind of moved on so i think i had to write i think i re- i wrote three of those things in the process of the season where like the editors wanted it and people wanted me to say something, but I'm already like, you know, this is like going to revisit something that already died. You know what I'm saying? So it, that's why it wasn't the moment moment for me, like in the same way, win a championship where I'm writing it and I'm feeling what I'm writing. This was more, let me explain to y'all, right? <laughs> Here, here's the explanation of why this matters. I mean, it's going to be an interesting feeling, I'm sure, for you next year, that first game at Chase. To see them there and then, because you live in Oakland now, because mm-hmm. then you're going to come back to Oakland to go home. Oh, yeah. Instead of going to Oracle and then go Just be like covering the Giants, <laughs> covering the 49ers, right? That's, that's what it will be. Except for the nostalgia. Yeah, but that's already gone. Like, I was expecting to feel something in the last game. It wasn't. It's already gone. There were a lot of feelings that last game. Yeah, it was. it was, it was already gone, like. I don't know. Maybe maybe that's because I'm from Oakland, and you know, <laughs> and this is our ch- this is our life. This is our childhood, especially where I grew up in the, uh, you know, in East Oakland, and at a time where the murder rate was high. Like you, death happens. You process it, and you just you gotta keep moving. Like there's no, you know, there's no prolonged grieving period. There's no therapy and counseling. There's you no, just can't really afford no, it. And no, like no, yeah. You just, this happens, you move on. You yeah. lose the house, you move on, right? Like that's, you lose a family member, you move on. Like this is, maybe that's just how I'm made, but it's like, oh man, that's messed up. Y'all really leave, you go through it, like, all right, let's go, what's next? <laughs> because, I mean, maybe that's just how I was raised, but I just, it, I, I, I was there, I had on my, I never wear shoes of players I cover ever. 
It's like a rule of mine. Matter of fact, I never wear shoes of players who are in the league. I only wear retired player shoes, right? If if otherwise, I wear no player shoes, right? But like once Kobe retired, I was like, all right, I can wear Kobe's, uh-huh. and I can always wear Jordans, right? But I'm not putting on Kyrie's or LeBron's, right? But Steph Curry put out a pair of shoes, like that's that literally said Oakland on the sole. So thank you, Oakland. Yeah, shoes. I was like, yeah, I'm wearing those. <laughs> <laughs> I wore those to the last game of Oracle, but it was almost like drumming up all this stuff. I went to uh, Beast, I went to Beast Oakland and got me a hoodie, and I wore a Beast Oakland hoodie, and it was like, I mean, there was all this drum up for this great coronation. When you're there, it's like, yep, this is it. I mean, but it had been coming for so long that it really wasn't. I, I just didn't feel it. Maybe that's just me. Yeah, I mean, I feel like for the for Oakland, it would have. The, the the feelings would have been maybe more fulfilling overall, and there would have been a different feeling if they had won, if there had been another parade. I think the way they went out was actually more fitting. Yeah. They didn't win, but it was probably the most, like, honorable and respectful way to go out other than winning. Given everything that happened. Yes. It was, it was gritty. It was all heart. It was grind. It was they were so overmatched. They were so exhausted. They were heartbroken. And yet they were in that thing. Like that that was probably that was the most Oakland ending. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? To Oracle. Right? Because it needed to end in a loss if it was gonna really represent Oracle, right? <laughs> Over the history of the 40 All those years, yeah. yeah. It's not there's like winning in a championship would have definitely been new money, right? Like <laughs> <laughs> like celebrate Oracle with like confetti and all that. Yeah, that's not how Oracle was supposed to go down. It was supposed to go down with a loss. But they went out with heart. Like they went out like in a way that if you're from here, you respected it, right? Like uh that that for me was was a little bit more like poetic than the confetti and all that. Like I, I definitely felt that at the end, like, okay, all right, way to represent. Like that's how we do it. <laughs> That's Oakland's own Marcus Thompson. He's the author of a biography of Kevin Durant called KD and a biography of Stephen Curry called Golden. And he's a senior writer for The Athletic. And that's how we're going out with Bounce, the Warriors' last season in Oakland. This podcast is a production of KALW Public Radio. Our theme music was made by Daoud Anthony. Artwork is by David Boyer with Illuminaries. The rest of our team includes Shireen Adel, Ryan Austin, Raphael Cohen, Janae Darden, Tarek Foda, Gabe Graben, Angela Johnston, Kristen McCandless, James Rollins, Marco Siler-Gonzalez, Michael Swingen, Liza Veal, Bo Walsh, and Eli Wirtschafter. Really appreciate you listening, and we're already thinking about next season. I'm Ben Trefney. Last night, <laughs> I know where we're going. You with this. did something where, where I'm going to say, <laughs> I'm going to say, I, I t- it gave me hope <laughs> because you did something and you proved that you're actually a human being. <laughs> Take a look at this. Curry off the steal. And oh, look out! Curry slipped and now shoots for three.
I mean, that, that's my life. <laughs> that's me at school. That's how I felt every single day. What went through your mind when that was happening? Well, see, what happened was... <laughs> the LA Kings had a game right before us, and they must not have put the floor back on top of the ice all the way, because there was a little wet spot right there. Right. I slipped. I, in my head, like, I knew I was about to do some crazy 360s dunk I've never done in my life. Right, yeah. And, uh, just didn't happen. <laughs> Can I ask a question? Yeah. <laughs> how, how does the ice explain the, the air ball? Yeah, I... <laughs> <laughs> 